Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. I'm super excited tonight to be joined by Lily and Sarah from our elementary days. Ladies, how are you? We're doing awesome. Yes. We're so excited about this. Yeah. We were just talking a little bit before we got on air that you only have one more school day. Just one more. We no, can't not wait. even a full day. It's no. a half day. So. Uh, and, then, and then our teachers, kids, everybody's done, or do you have to do any work days? Um, we do have one additional work day, but we're pretty we're pretty lucky at our school, and our principal's not exactly he's not going to be checking on us on Fridays. So <laughs> I'll just say that as long as everything's done, he's just not going to check on us on Friday. You, you're uh, you're not going to be micromanaged. No. We're so fortunate at the school we're at. Yeah, I envy you that you're not being micromanaged. I've, I've, I've been a wee bit micromanaged this year, but you know, some, some schools are better than others. All right, so you know, with with our podcast, what what we're striving to do is just bring on teachers to tell their stories of you know what they've gone through, what they're going through, and and all the great things we're you know that teachers are doing because we feel like sometimes teaching gets a bad rap. And there are so many awesome <laughs> teachers out there all over that we just want to bring them on to, to tell their stories and, and hope they can help their, their fellow teachers. So to get started, could you kind of both explain how you got to where you are, you know, why you became a teacher and what you're doing now? Uh, we just broke up a little bit. Is your phone okay? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. okay. Um, so I think I just always wanted to become a teacher. Uh, teachers and movies really inspired me. Uh, Miss Honey and Matilda was like my idol growing up. I just wanted to be her. Um, and then once I got into college, I wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to take. And I just figured I would take one class and I fell in love with the creativity of it and everything just spiraled from there. Here I am. Nice. What about you, Lil? <laughs> For me, um, it was a little bit different. Um, I love math, and I thought I always would be doing something with numbers, like, I don't know, finance or something like that. And then um, when I moved here in high school, uh, I moved here from Peru. And when I moved here from high school, I had a really good ELL teacher. And she kind of, like, inspired me, and she kind of became my mentor and helped me get through it. I only had to take ELL classes one year because of all, like, the support that she gave me and you know, she really committed to like helping me out and that inspired me to want to become a teacher. I almost didn't do it just because my dad always said like, you know, kind of like what you said about education, not getting a good reputation and just being like, I don't know, like, you don't, do you really want to waste your brain power on that and stuff like that? But I know he meant well, but unfortunately I could have ended up doing something that I wasn't as passionate as I am about teaching. Yeah. My, my family kind of tried to veer me in a different direction too, just because the money aspect of it. Yeah. Like you're, you're not going to make any money. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to be happy. <laughs> and I am really happy. So with no money. With no money. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, uh, I have, I have an older sister and a younger sister and my, my dad always joked that he got two social workers and a teacher and he always joked that, like, how how was he gonna retire? Yeah, and like, live off in either of his kids. So he's gonna be able to support it. Awesome. Well, to, to kind of continue getting things going, could each of you tell us um, about your favorite teacher and why that person was your favorite teacher? Well, uh, 
I kind of talked a little bit about it. Just uh, my ELL teacher, she was my favorite just because, like I said, you know, coming to this country when you're 15, high school is hard enough as Mm -hmm. it is. And coming into high school, not speaking any English and just kind of, I mean, I was just scared. I was in culture shock. I had all that and the fact that she took the time and she mentored me and she had me join like an exchange club with some exchange students and um, that really inspired me to start thinking about, you know, maybe I want to do this for somebody else that has. And I had the opportunity to have ELL students, newcomers in my classroom and I tried to do the same thing she did for me. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes me think about, I had so many great teachers growing up that I can't really pinpoint one of them, but in sixth grade, like going into sixth grade, kind of along with what you're talking about, it's everyone's at such an awkward stage in their life. Nobody knows what's going on or how to navigate anything. Um, And I remember being in my sixth grade, like homeroom class, and I can't remember the teacher's name, like my memory is garbage um but it's kind of personal but my bra strap was hanging down and I just couldn't figure out how to properly like get my straps and I remember this teacher took me out in the hall she kind of like showed me what to do with it how to tighten my bra straps and I it resonated with me not because of like what I was learning in that class but just that she took the extra time to like just help a girl out. Like, and I think the teachers who do that are the ones that really stick in my mind. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's such a funny story. And, and like, and kind of, I mean, it's kind of a negative way. Like I'm just thinking you telling your story and wondering like what would happen if a teacher did that now? Like with. Well, I think true. Yeah. Like what, how, how could that have been spent or spun negatively? Yeah. 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 But I, but I love that, you know, that, that teacher, didn't make you feel bad about it. Cause that could have really easily been a situation where a teacher could have been like, Hey, you need to, you know, get your clothes together. You know, right. could have no, made it felt, hard on you. I, I felt like she had my back and just knowing that she was there, like not only to help me with my academics, but to help me get my clothes together and <laughs> like, not look like a together. fool walking around with my bra strap hanging out. That was, uh. yeah. Yeah, I feel you on the closing, though. I think when I was in sixth grade, it was when those first, like, uh, those button-up, the pants that, but the wind pants that button up the side, like, basketball players wore. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) That was, like, the cool thing then. So all, me and my buddies were always, like, we had those pants on, they were always coming unsnapped, and our teachers were always having to to fuss on to us about that. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, you you saying sixth grade was awkward is, that's a a great way to describe sixth grade. Yeah, it's the worst. All right, so I'd love for you to to finish these phrases and just, you know, just finish the sentence. So the first one is, the hardest part of teaching is? Um, I think we both agree that it's maintaining a healthy balance. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's so hard. This job requires more than 150% of ourselves every single day, and that's what we want to give, but it's hard because we both have husbands, Sarah has children, and we just want to make sure. And when you're trying to give your all to everything, you just can't. No. <laughs> like right now, it's the end of the year. And, and, and this needs my all my attention. So am I the best wife? Am I the best daughter? Probably not at this time of the year. So it just depends on the time of the year. And I just, I struggle with that, you know. And we both have been teaching for about five to six years. And we both struggle 
and experience teacher burnout because you're giving yourself so much of yourself into the profession and it's hard to get out of. And that's- Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so challenging to just try and be your best for everybody. Like I, I feel like I just kind of have to pick days where I'm like, okay, today I'm going to be a good wife. Today I'm going to be a really good mom. Today I'm going to be a really good teacher. Like I just, you can't do it all, all the time. But the guilt is real. Though. The guilt is real. Like the, I always feel bad about the other two. Or yeah, I whatever. Mean, you're forget not... my my friends and my extended family. <laughs> no, that that doesn't even count. But mm-hmm. I'm like, am I doing enough for these kids? Am mm-hmm. I doing enough for my husband? <laughs> am I cooking enough dinners? You know, it's yeah. just it's never ending. Yeah, and and I was when you said that I was going to ask you the question about guilt and like it's often that I feel like a significant amount of shame over you know whether or not I. Like, I, I sh- I'll shame myself if I hit the snooze button in the morning. Like, I'll yeah. really, like, be mean to myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't as much now that I'm in my eighth year as I did in my first year. But every time something went wrong and every time I didn't do something I should have or, you know, with my family. Like, I was away, f- I was away from my family eight years where I saw them, like, twice, twice a year. And now that I'm back within an hour, I still have to, I still struggle sometimes when I don't go to every single thing yeah. and I, and I don't do every single thing that my friends want to. And, you know, like for me, maintaining a healthy balance is, I think I had to learn how to say no. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's huge. It's the hardest thing though, mm-hmm. because you always want, you, you always want to help whoever needs the help, whether it's your student, a fellow teacher, you know. And it's, yeah, you want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so so next phrase, the one thing I wish parents knew about teaching is? Uh, I think we would both agree with this, but just how much we really care about their kids. Like, I think for a lot of, I, I do think that a lot of parents do know how much we care, but there are a lot who don't really understand. They think that we just have a classroom full of kids and we don't really create the connections with them that we do. Um, So yeah, I I wish they really knew how much they care for me personally. I know that I'm sure with Lily, we would take any one of our students in as our own, like Mm -hmm. even the ones who drive us crazy because we really do love them. Um, And with parents too, like I just, I wish I, I think we wish that they knew we were, we just want to be there to help their kid. Any kind of feedback that we provide them is just to help their kid. We're not judging them. We're not shaming them. We just want their kid to be as great as they can possibly be. And along with that, we wish that they knew how to really help their kids at home, yeah. how, how to have like a conversation with their kid, how to how important reading a book with their child is every night, how to incorporate learning into just everything that they do at home. It's, it's like we send home notices. We tell them at open house how to do things with their children, but I, I don't, I don't know if it really resonates. I agree. I think it's the sense of like urgency that we have, especially as we are first grade teachers and we want, if the kids don't come to us exactly where they need to be, and, you know, they don't all come because kids learn at different pace, um, but we just want them to know the sense of urgency that we have is not because, it's because we want their kids to succeed and we want them to 
be able to go into second grade as prepared as possible. We want to set them up for success. We just want them to be their best. Yeah. The best them that they can be. And sometimes it's hard because I've had a lot of conversations at the beginning of the year with parents when they say, you're expecting too much from my kid. Mm -hmm. And they just say, like, how dare you ask my kids to do this? And I'm like, I do this because I care about them. Like, I could let them. Like, our expectations, our high expectations are just too much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and the thing that that came to me is and like it's it, that was one of the hardest things that I had to learn too is is that these parents they take it so personal yeah. when when you and and I'm not a parent. So I can't I can't judge and say how I would take it if if I had a kid and a teacher was telling me something that I didn't want to hear or didn't want to believe about my kid, but I think like you said if we could just help them understand that we're you know we're on the same team with them. Mm-hmm. And we want we want what's best. And, you know, we've just started asking this question. And every single person that we've asked now has said, like, how much we really cares. And, and if teachers, and I do believe that predominantly the majority of teachers really care about kids. So how is it that it's, yeah. it, it seems so much like in our society that, that teachers are, you know, these callous people that don't care about kids? The few bad teachers give teachers a bad reputation, yeah. and that's very unfortunate, you know. I, but people need to look at the bigger picture and really see how many teachers are just doing their best and, like, really pouring their hearts into these classrooms. Like, we see it all over Instagram every single day, and I think it gives us a little more inspiration to, like, keep chugging along, you know, even when days get hard. Right, right. Okay, so, so last one of the phrases, the most rewarding part of teaching is... Yeah. Well, that's the easiest one. Yeah. It's the relationships. Like, we just love building those relationships with our kids. We love them to know how much we care about them, um, how much they matter to us, how appreciated they are. You know, we're lucky enough to spend eight hours of our day with those kids. We help shape them. As much as we um, can't take the credit for the little humans that they do become at the end, we are a big part of it for that one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just seeing their smiles, seeing their success, seeing how much they care about you and how much you care about them. It's huge for us. Yeah. Does, does your school or, or maybe even to when you were being trained as a teacher at college, did anyone ever really make that relationship piece explicit to you or was it something you just kind of understood? Yeah, that was just something that we just kind of understood, I think. It was, no, it was never, when I think back to my college classes, like we learned everything else, but not, not really how to build those strong relationships with students. So that's something that we've kind of learned through trial and error and year by year, I think our relationships with our students get stronger. Um, And you learn how to navigate those relationships mm -hmm. that are the hardest because the kids that are the most challenging are the ones that need the relationship with you the most. And you know, at first you may have been frustrated or whatever, but as you become a little wiser, you become to be a little more patient and you really just push through and really try to see how you can better help them by getting to know them. You know, that's the only way. My students, I feel like work harder because they know I care about them. And when I throw something at them and I'm like, today I'm going to challenge you, they, they really take that in and say like, oh, because we want to be better. Yeah. But right. that's, the, I feel like the only reason they do that is 
because we have those relationships. Yeah. If you didn't, they would like, yeah, that just kind of goes along with like, they're not going to, they're not going to like, I don't, they're not going to push themselves. No. If you don't, if you don't show them that you're pushing them because you care. It's, yeah. It's all like a circle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, and so I teach high school. So, I mean, the relationship, I don't want to say it's easier, but, you know, I'm having conversations with people that are close to my level, you know, in terms of their ability to communicate and do that. Right. How, how much of <laughs> yourselves do your kids get to know as, as first graders? Are, are you off, like, how, how do they get to know you, I guess, is the question I'm asking. Well, I don't, like, I feel like I am my best self most myself when I'm around my students I I'm just like I'm able to let loose I'm able to be silly I'm able to sing in a way that I would never sing in front of a grown adult um I'm able to dance with them I'm just I'm able to be on their level like it's not very often that many adults I think get to behave in that way and kind of just let loose and kind of get in touch with their inner child. Um, I agree. I think that's just, that's what kind of creates that connection with them. And they're like, Hey, she's crazy and she's silly and she's just like me in a grown up way. I agree. When I take pictures yeah. or I take selfies and I sent to my husband, she's always like, I wish I had as much fun as you do yeah. doing your job. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes us feel so lucky, you know, to be able to have those relationships while still teaching and still helping them grow their little brains mm -hmm. and they don't they don't judge us no no they don't they can be as crazy and as like off the wall as possible we can dress up in crazy outfits and make crazy faces and they just they eat it up they love it and I I think that's why we can be ourselves because we know that they're not judging us or going home to tell their parents how ridiculous we look today. I couldn't agree more. We're authentic with them. Very authentic. Yeah. Right. Nice. All right. So to, to kind of get into a little more of that growth conversation, when I was on your Instagram and, and checking all this, all the stuff you have, a, a ton of the stuff you have talks about the growth mindset. So could you explain, you know, what the growth mindset means to you and, and why you think it's so important to teach our kids that? Well, um, Sarah and I are huge like growth mindset believers. We growth mindset is just pretty much the belief that students can grow. Anybody intelligence can be altered. So your brain is malleable, and if you put the work and you put the effort into anything, you can learn it. So, on the opposite end, a fixed mindset is where you kind of, is the belief that you're kind of born with a certain amount of intelligence. You can't get any smarter than you are. Your IQ is your IQ, and it's just kind of set. Yeah. And then there's going to be the smart people, the and people that, so the average smart. people, yeah. and the people that are going to always struggle. Yeah. Instead, we believe that all students can learn, and just all people in general. Like, we've taught ourselves how to have a growth mindset for certain things because, you know, everybody has some kind of fixed mindset mm -hmm. for certain aspects of their lives. So it's just the belief that, we can learn and we can work through our things and that we can't push ourselves by setting goals and expectations, things that we can actually accomplish. 
Right. I think, um, and I, I think I'm thinking of the right study that, that goes along with growth mindset. I think there was a study a few years ago where some psychologists put little kids in a room with like a marshmallow. And they told them if they could wait 15 minutes to eat the marshmallow that they would get a second marshmallow. And somehow they knew the kids who could wait for the second mar- for the 15 minutes, like they had growth mindset because they could see out in front of them. They couldn't see just this one fixed thing of that one marshmallow. It's actually, there's video of it and it's super, like it's super funny with the things that the kids do to try to eat the marshmallow before the 15 minutes is up. We have never heard of that. We'll have to look that up. No, like I, it was the, the term was coined by Carol Dweck. And so I think she's a psychologist, um, but she did tests with students, I think in like middle school, little research activities. And she gave them like IQ tests, challenging assessments. And she found that when she praised the students on their hard work, they were more likely to put in hard work and choose more challenging tasks in the future. So if she said things like, wow, I can tell that you really worked hard on that, they were more likely to put in the effort. Whereas if she or whoever said, wow, you're really smart, you're good at this, those kids just kind of like, gave up when the hard stuff came up. Like they didn't want to challenge that. They didn't want to, they didn't want to fail. They didn't want to fail. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want them or the researchers, whoever's doing the tests to think less of them. Um, So they would choose the easier tasks rather than the challenging tasks. Mm -hmm. So we kind of try to instill that in our students and just praise the process of growth rather than the outcome. And do you notice it making a difference even with even with first graders? Oh yeah, huge a difference. Huge difference. It's like what, black and white. Yeah, the kids eat it up. Like they, they really, um, and we're lucky to work at a school where it's implemented across all grade levels. So we're really just like every grade level as the kids get older, you can see them changing their mindsets. It cha- it changes their narrative, whereas like when kids are saying. I can't do this. They just add the word yet to the end of it. I can't do this yet. And they know that with the hard work and the effort and the grit that they're gonna, they're gonna be able to do it eventually. And we just see it in our classroom. Our kids, like they love challenging tasks. We just did our state tests and our kids were so excited to do the state test. Like I've never seen kids so excited to take a really challenging test. Because they knew that if they put in the hard work, their neurons were going to connect and their brain was going to get stronger. Like, yeah, it's we always just, say, just try your best and your brain will do the rest. Yeah. That's really oh, that's, cool. that's a good catchphrase. I know. I, know. I think Lily, Lily coined that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was her. So, oh. so I guess, and, and I know you teach first grade, but in you know kind of what you've researched and what you've seen is there a point where kids like they wind up with the fixed or the growth mindset because I I teach high school and I I notice there are a lot of kids that I have and a lot of kids that I talk to that are very much that way like this is how it is I've always been I I don't know how many times I hear I've always just been this way 
So yeah, do you think I'm there's not, a point? I'm not good at math. Like that's like, that's just an excuse that but, so many people have. I'm just, I'm more right-brained. I can't do that. But it's not only that, it's adults. And that's where Listen, the kids yeah, get it from. Exactly. Like the kids get it from their parents. We their grew parents, up that way. We grew up that way. Our parents are saying it without trying to say it, but they say it to themselves. The kids see this modeling and then that's how they think. So to... To, to in order for us to be able to educate students, we also have to educate the parents about mm-hmm. it because it's we can talk to all about growth mindset in the classroom and we're all about this. But then when they go home and parents have a very fixed mindset that students can start to get all kinds of confused. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, for us, it's a big part to educate the parents just as much because we want to make sure the kids. Um, and, and that's why we feel so lucky, too, because we're in first grade we really are starting to try to set that foundation and hopefully set them for success. And the students that we see have the most fixed mindset are the kids who are usually of above average intelligence. Those are the kids who are like, I'm, I'm smart. They know that they're smart and they don't want to put in any extra work or effort into things. And when things get challenging, they're the first ones to give up so and then I think on the opposite end those who are maybe of lower intelligence um are just like I'm I'm not good at this I'm not smart I can't do this and so it's really cool to kind of they come in because we we teach it as a school so they're exposed to it in kindergarten so by the time they get to us at this point we never even hear words like I'm not smart or I can't do this because they've already changed their thought process. And even as they do, other students around them will sell them because you can create that kind of community. Mm -hmm. And that's so important with growth mindset in your classroom to create, to cheer them Mm -hmm. on. And they'll be like, wait, you can't do it yet. Or if you keep trying, I'm sure you'll get it. And to have that kind of positive environment, I think it's what really makes it work. The key to success. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so cool to hear first graders talking about their brains and their, their neural connections and it's just, and keeping each other in check. It's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wish my high schoolers would keep each other in check, but (laughs) so, so kind of along that same vein, um, what is the importance if, if we have that growth mindset of, of grit and, and how do we give our kids opportunities to practice that grit? Well, I I don't, we've heard a lot of negative talk about grit on social media. Like don't like people saying, don't use that term. We're not really sure why we see it as extremely valuable in life and in our classrooms. Um, So the, we kind of, we teach them like what grit is and we do it kind of explicitly where we do lessons that are revolved around grit. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of saving Sammy. Have you heard of that activity? I have not. So it's, (laughs) it's a little crazy. So they, the kids get a, they have to work in a team. So it kind of helps promote teamwork and communication and collaboration and learning from their mistake. But, um, they have a gummy lifesaver and they have gummy worms, and they have uh, paper clips. And they're not allowed to use their hands. They're only allowed to use the paper clips. But basically, they have to use the paper clips 
and navigate to get the gummy worm inside the gummy lifesaver. And so it's with a group of like three or four kids. And when we give it to them and we tell them the objective, they're just kind of like, what? We can't use our hands. How is this going to work? And you see their wheels turning. You see like they're figuring out what's working and what's not working. And through that, they're able to kind of see like, this isn't easy. This takes a lot of brain power. And this is grit. Like this is the effort that goes into something. And if you do it for long enough, you're going to figure it out and you're, you're going to have success. Um, and kind of going back, that is one activity where we see a lot of those kids and their fixed mindset when they just kind of tap out and they're like, I give up. This is stupid. This is dumb. And you just, you kind of have to, that's a good teachable moment where like, okay, you gotta, gotta get through this. And they, all the kids are eventually able to do it. And it's one of my favorite lessons. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of teach them just throughout the year. Here's a really difficult passage. Like in first grade, they're learning how to read fluently um, and just having grit there and having grit when they're solving math problems. Like it's, it's everywhere. If it's easy, it's not good enough. So our kids know that difficult things are good and that they always need to have that, that grit. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So I was looking at your t-shirt shop and I saw the t-shirt that uh, it just says on it. I I think it says, I believe in the power of yet. Do I have that Mm -hmm. correct? Could you talk a little bit about that shirt and, and what that phrase means to you? I mean, that shirt is everything to us. It's like our baby. That's the first shirt that we um, designed together. And I think it's because we wanted to spread some of that growth mindset. We've seen a little bit here and there in social media, but we hadn't really seen. Um, And what Belief in Power yet is pretty much the idea that you may not know something yet. So instead of saying, I can't do this math problem or I can't draw like Mark, you said, you know, I can't do it yet. So if you set yourself, you're setting up yourself for success in the sense that you set up a goal and you start mm-hmm. to work towards achieving that goal by through hard work and dedication. You know, we tell the kids like all these things, like it's not going to be easy, but you can achieve it. Yeah. So. And they add that word to the end of every one of their sentences. You literally they, can hear across yes. the room sometimes when they say something and they'll be like, no, you can't do it yet. And even to us, they yeah. correct us mm-hmm. when I tell them, like, you know, I'm not a good artist because I'm not that great. And they'll be like, well, you're not a great artist yet, but I bet if you work through it, mm-hmm. you could. So it's it's extremely powerful, and I think it's something that we tell ourselves every day as well. Yeah. And we just we want to help spread that message. Like, we still see some people on social media commenting what is yet. And we get so excited because we're like, yes, this is a moment to kind of open someone's eyes and have them implement that in their classroom because it's been life-changing for us and our students. Right. Right. And it's, and I can attest that myself that I still have a problem with, you know, there are places in my life that I could use yet for things that I can't do. We all have them. Yeah. So, I think being aware of that is the first step. Yeah. Like, 
being aware that you do have something to work towards or that you do have something that may be challenging for you. Cause mm-hmm. you know, before I may have had a fixed mindset and I'd be honest, I have a extremely growth mindset when it comes to my students, but when it comes to myself, mm-hmm. I tend to have a more fixed mindset. Cause I just feel like I should already be able to do it. Like I'm already an adult. <laughs> so I have to turn it yeah. around and really, you know, put that shirt on and look in the mirror and say, okay, this, this applies to me just as much as my students. Definitely. And we've seen people on social media too use it and take oh, yeah. it on trips. Mm-hmm. And um, we've seen a person who suffered from cancer and she wore it and she was talking about the power of the word. Um, people that went through Florida. I remember when there was mm-hmm. like natural disaster in Florida and she wore the shirt to show her school that they were going to get through it. Yeah. Hurricane Irma, was it? Yeah. I- yeah, I think so. Sure. I so it's just, it's really powerful. Like it's yeah. not, it doesn't just apply to one teacher who went through a divorce and she said she wore the shirt all the time to just remind her that things weren't good yet, but they would be. And just, I don't know. It gives me goosebumps to think that just one little word can hold so much power. Yeah. That's, that's the best. That's the best way to say it. I don't want to add anything cause you, you said it perfectly, but you're right. I mean, the, the power of just that one little word to change it's a phrase is really word. important. Yeah, yeah, it does so much. Okay, so, I, you know, exploring Instagram and all the great teachers that are out there, I didn't realize that classroom transformation was, like, such a big thing. I, I didn't really understand that was out there. So I'm wondering how you, you know, maybe what are some of your favorite classroom transformations that you've done, and, and how does that help your students? So. Classroom transformation is something that we just started implementing this year, and I think a big part of it is because we are huge um, Ron Clark Academy fans, and we've seen all the teachers over social media doing great things in their classroom. We just use it as a tool for engaging our students. It's just setting up some kind of experience or just making it out of the ordinary, it really helps us tackle those harder standards. It's not something we do every day because it is mm-hmm. time consuming. Mm-hmm. But for example, this year, our first room transformation, we did um, a context clue activity. So we literally turn off the lights, put some task cards under tables. We got some flashlights for the kids. We had them crawl through the door. Um, <laughs> we taped it off with yarn to look like laser beams. So that like got their interest right away. Yeah. And it's such a daunting task as a teacher and as a student to teach that to a first grader who's still trying to decode some of the words. Yeah. But I can bet you that my students will not forget that lesson and they will really use context clues. So that's what we're trying to do. Just bring a little novelty into the classroom Mm -hmm. and create that engagement. Because think about it, we're battling against computers and iPads Mm -hmm. and all these crazy things. So Sometimes you just gotta put on a little bit of a show. Yeah. Yeah, and I can I can remember at the start of my teaching career thinking that I was such a good teacher that I didn't need novelty and I didn't need stuff like that. And then I learned very quickly that at like you said, there are times where it just is needed and it it helps everybody and it helps the teachers. So that's a really something that I think a lot of people are doing, I think is like you said, it it creates a memorable experience for those kids. Mm-hmm. And we are addicted to the kids saying, today was the best day ever. Yeah, we've heard that more times this year than we ever have. And we're like, okay, we have to do something else because <laughs> we need another the best day ever. Like, we just did our memory books and we had the kids reflecting on the year. 
and they were all sharing their their personal best days ever. And I was just like, hmm, I, we, we did pretty good this year. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And I think it's something important to remember is that some people go a little more out there. So they, yeah. they do a little extra. But to your students, as little as you do, it's still going to be amazing because it's not like they went on social media and saw the other classroom. Yeah. So even if you just put some... Uh, for spring, we just put some butcher paper on the table, put some flowers and hang some Dollar Tree butterflies on the ceiling and did some spring activities. And the kids were still engaged on that last day before spring break, which is usually like chaotic. Yeah. So it's the novelty. Like it doesn't have to be much. And I think it's helped us as teachers too. It's helped us kind of think outside the box, just kind of think of ways to kind of the stuff that we've already taught, take a a worksheet and make it some, make it an adventure, make it an experience. And we kind of have had to reel ourselves in sometimes because we have such (laughs) grandiose plans or like, let's do this and this and this and this and this. And then we kind of are like thinking about the cost that's going to go into it or the time, the time that's going to go into setting it up. And then we just kind of have to come back to earth and, and figure out how to tone it down a little. Um, but it's been, it's been really fun for us. We don't see it as I, we see, I mean, we've been <laughs> next year. Um, we did a presentation about it and hopefully next year we'll see some of our other teachers in our school. Yeah. Create I, some of those experiences and we're excited about that. They have a bad attitude about it too. when they're just kind of like, that's too much. I can't do that. It's too much. Every, I think everybody can do this. And no, like a lot of teachers on social media do put in a lot of time and a lot of money. And I mean, like Lily said, just the little things are going to make a huge difference to your students. Something out of the ordinary. Yeah, just something out Mm -hmm. of the ordinary. Because it makes it even more fun for us. I feel like this year I've had a lot more fun teaching and it just gets you out of the everyday. Like I really look forward to those days when Mm -hmm. it's different and the kids walk in and you're just seeing gas you're just hearing gasping and like like it's amazing Mm -hmm. right so with with all your t-shirts um you know what are your favorite designs that you have now out or you know what cool things you have coming up because i definitely want people to go check out um what you have because the stuff you have is amazing so is there anything you're really excited about that you've got going on well i think my my personal favorites are all of the growth mindset type shirts, like the I Believe in the Power of Yet, Mistakes Help Us Grow. Um, I love wearing those because, like, I wear them, we both wear them every Monday, but they kind of just help with a lesson that we're teaching or help with a concept that we're trying to teach our kids. Um, but we do have a kindness shirt we hope to roll out soon the next couple weeks as soon as this year is over um one of my favorites the you matter shirt and I do love the you matter shirt it's a simple message but it's so important too and I wear that one like on the weekends too just because sometimes I feel like it's not just kids who need to hear the message but adults who are having a hard time or a hard day and it's just that simple like just always remember that you do matter Mm -hmm. awesome all right so I got a few final questions, and and these can be um, questions you can answer based on teaching or just based on life. So the first question is, um, what was the best advice you've been given, and who was the person that gave it to you? 
Um, I have no idea who gave me the advice. It was probably my husband because he's, <laughs> you know, my husband. Um, but just to step outside my comfort zone. I love to just be in my happy little bubble where everything is great and nothing is changing and I'm kind of in control of everything. But after this past year, I have learned that stepping out of my comfort zone is the best thing I can do for myself, even though it's scary and terrifying. Um, it's, it's where the most growth happens. And I just now thinking about doing something that's terrifying is kind of exciting because I know that it's going to be great. I think Lily was probably a big part in that when we initially got our t-shirts, we went to a conference that was going on. We crushed. Well, we crashed it. Yeah, we (laughs) snuck in Um, because we wanted to give Hope King and Care Carol one of our shirts. And we were standing in the doorway of Hope King's little room that she was speaking in. And Lily was like pushing me like, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, you just go. And just like, I just wanted to be in my comfortable little bubble. Um, But I mean, here we are now, if I never stepped outside my comfort zone and did something that was terrifying, we might not not be be here, here. which is huge. And speaking in conferences and sharing the messages behind the power of yet and how we implement it in our classroom is something I never thought I would be doing. So step outside your comfort zone. Good things happen over there on the other side. <laughs> what about for you? Um, I think for me, some of the best, one of the best advice I was given was by my mentor when I was doing my um, educational leadership masters. And she told me to lead by example. Um, she is one of the most amazing principals I've ever met and her ability to, I don't even know, like her ability to communicate with parents and to talk to people and just carry herself. Like mm-hmm. she's not scared to get her hands dirty if she needs to. She's not scared to help out. So if you lead by example, you you, you can teach so much more. Yeah, you can leading. teach so much more. Like, instead of just saying words, and that's what mm-hmm. I try to do with my students. Instead yeah. of just saying things to them, like, you know, you need to be kind to others. They need to see me model that to with other teachers. And then that way, when I'm saying, you know what, that was that really the most kind thing that you could have done? Or could you have done this differently? You know, when I talk to Mr. Luigi, you see me doing this kind of behavior. Then that way, they really understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. Awesome. All right, uh, best book you've read in the last 12 months? <laughs> we both read the same book. We both read The Wild Card by Hope and Wade King. And that was, that was good for us. Yeah, it made us step out of our comfort zone. Yeah. It made us start room transformations mm-hmm. um, and just create that novelty. We started buying some things in, on Amazon, became our best friend. Just little things that we can use to create a little more engagement, create a little more novelty, um, but still keep that high level of expectations. Mm-hmm. Like we have never and will never sacrifice rigor over um, a fun activity. A fun, cutesy, Instagram worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Okay. So, and this is broad and it's meant to be broad, but if, if you could give one piece of advice to a teacher that's struggling, what would it be? Um, one piece of advice. Uh, I mean, there's just so much. It's just, I think just be yourself and mm-hmm. be the better, but the best version of yourself every day. So if you really want to, um, if you're trying, just try to be who you, who you are. Don't try to outdo yourself because, you know, you do go on Instagram and you do see all these people and you see the amazing things that they're doing. And then you may feel bad about what you're doing in your own classroom. It's so easy to go on Instagram and feel less than and feel like you're failing at life you're failing your students you're failing your teammates it's just I think just be kind to yourself and if you're doing the best you can then that's good that's that's at that time in your life you Mm -hmm. may just need to pull back and you know something else might need a priority so just be kind to yourself remember that you know you only need to be better than you were yesterday not not somebody else yes the only teacher you need to be better than is the teacher you were yesterday. And also, Hope King and Wade King, you did not wake up to be mediocre. No. That's another thing. That like, is a big thing. Yes. Yeah. So be the best version of yourself, but also, like, push yourself. Yeah. Don't don't be mediocre. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, and this can be teaching or outside of teaching. What is your proudest accomplishment to date? Um, my personal proudest accomplishment kind of goes in with that stepping outside my comfort zone uh creating an instagram for ourselves was so scary um and just being vulnerable i i do a lot of hand lettering that's on all of our shirts so i feel a great deal of pressure when i design something and then kind of put that out in the world to sink or swim um so just just where we are today and all the little steps that it took to get there is all probably my greatest accomplishment professionally and here and yeah it's kind spreading of, the message to yeah my kind of educators mine goes with Sarah the same way like the fact that we began this journey we started a business and um like we started with a dream we started to the dream yes. to go to RCA and we bought 24 shirts and we Right. Well, <laughs> we just we just hope that they would sell. We, we thought we were going to sell the twenty four shirts for cost, like or give them out to our friends because just... nobody's going to want them. And um, it blew up in like a day, and we were able to sell three hundred, and we were able to attend RCA. Um, we were able to sell three hundred in that weekend. It was yeah, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. So it, we put ourselves out there, and we really had just a little dream and then for it to become what it is now it's i it's my greatest professional accomplishment like sarah said and two i never ever thought that i would be able to speak to other adults mm-hmm. like it's it's super easy to speak to kids cuz like i said they're not judging you no um but i always got super nervous when i had to do meetings or speak in front of my staff so being able to kind of build the confidence to speak in conferences to other educators about growth mindset and just knowing that we're doing a little bit more to help spread the message and inspire other teachers is yeah. huge. It's 
Every shirt we sell, it's not just the shirt we sell. It's a shirt we sell, but it's a shirt that we know it's going to go to a classroom. And then when we hear those stories and those people telling us, like, mm-hmm. oh, I took this to my students and they saw it. Uh, a teacher talked to us about how she brought it to some high school students, too, like adult students that were mm-hmm. having a hard time and um, how she wore the You Matter shirt. And something like that is just so powerful, like a, a few words. So our thing is like creating shirts with positive messages. Messages worth spreading. Yes. So just all the little pieces. Put together. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. So before I ask you the last question, um, if people want to follow you on Instagram, if they want to check out your shirts, if they want to figure you know, find out um, where you're going to be speaking, what's the best place for them to go to do that? Probably Instagram. We're all over Instagram at <laughs> our <laughs> elementary days, D-A-Z-E. We have a Facebook, but uh, we haven't quite figured out how to use it yet. <laughs> Hopefully this yet. summer, yet. We'll try and navigate it a little bit more. Um, but Instagram, Instagram's where it's at. Yeah, and we, we try to respond to everybody, people yes. that have questions mm-hmm. or whenever we post anything and they they would like to know more about. We try to be very engaged with our followers. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So the last question is, and this again can be personal or professional, what do you want your legacies to be? Um, I just, I, I just want to leave the world a little bit better than I found it. I want to help spread a little bit more positivity again, just like, Within the classroom, you know, I can only reach 20, 25 kids a year. So knowing that with T-shirts and with Instagram and with everything that we're doing and speaking at conferences, we're able to reach more, a greater audience um, with these positive messages is, and positivity is kind of my my hope. Yeah. Mine kind of goes along with hers. It's just, I want a better future for our kids. Yeah. I just want them to, um, to know that, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to, it's going to be great. The future is bright for them. And Mm -hmm. in order for them to have a bright future, I feel like I need to keep working at it Mm -hmm. and I need to, whether it's by example or whether it's spreading a message through a shirt or speaking at a conference, I, I, I want I'm willing to put in the work to make sure the future is brighter and better for them. Yeah. And I think we both just want kids everywhere to feel like they're valued and to feel like they're important and to feel like they're loved. And if it's with any, any t-shirt that we can make and help get out there in the world, we're super excited about that. And I think it's all just a domino effect. People who feel loved and appreciated and valued are going to make other people feel that way. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I super appreciate um, you taking some time to have a conversation with me on the, the eve of your last school day. And I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm, I'm super grateful, super grateful that you would do that for us. No, we are super thankful to you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was a great experience. Thank you for having us. Um, we just, it's such a great Instagram community, it really has mm-hmm. been, and it's making us connect with so many awesome teachers, and uh, the fact that we were able to do this, and hopefully somebody else hears about Growth Months and goes, searches that online tonight, yeah. or whenever they do hear it, you know, I feel like that's worth it. 
Absolutely. Again, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you.